0: All right, Bomb Squad, listen up. Today, at the edge of our hope, at the end of our time, we have chosen not only to believe in ourselves, but in movie night. Today, we face the viewers slash listeners at our door and bring the movie good to them. Today, we are reviewing Pacific Rim. Hi, I am Tim M. Sullivan, and with me I have-
1: Hi, I'm Gonagai, and this traffic jam is making me exhausted.
2: Hi, I'm Xerxes Tire Iron Dada.
3: Hi, I, I'm the guy that had a mental breakdown last episode.
0: And we have uh, two special guests. First, we have returning for her third appearance on the show, uh, my partner in crime and uh, my co-pilot in this Jaeger.
4: Cody Johnson.
0: And his <laughs> Coming on the show for the first time. Hi, PMC Trilogy. Hell
5: yeah. yeah. There we go. Tell tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, I'm a big fan of mechs. I stream a lot of mechs on Twitch, and I also like to talk about mechs on podcasts. Hell
0: yeah. It is now 2 a.m., The giant robot still hasn't moved. As I alluded to earlier, we are talking about the 2013 Guillermo del Toro giant robot versus kaiju flick Pacific Rim. For our opening question, we're going to talk about our favorite kaiju movies. So we're going to start with Ethan. What's your favorite kaiju movie? I, I'm legally obligated to cheat
2: on this one in some capacity because I, I watch too many of these stupid things. In terms of, like, serious affection for the craft, it's got to be Gamera 2, uh, The Attack of Legion. It's just really impressive from a technical level. Uh, it's, it's serious. Um, it has a weird parody dub by ADV, the Lake Texarkana dub, where it restages the events of the film to be in Arkansas, and it's just incredible.
3: Uh-oh. They are now. Look at this. It's connected knots. Marford, what the hell have you done to this TV? Well, I didn't do nothing. I did knocked my bear over accidentally, and I think I screwed something well, up. Well, sure, I wasn't doing that when I left the room a minute ago. Well, it ain't my fault. It's not like I went to school or nothing.
2: Legion is like this magnificent puppet that I adore to death. Uh, my actual, like, all-time favorite uh, that's a bit lighter is uh, one of my first. It's Son of Godzilla. Of all, of all titles, Ooh. maybe a weird one. But a set of Godzilla perfectly captures a gentle comedy. The human stuff is really endearing. There's a King Kong sensibility to it. Godzilla's dynamic with his son, Minya, is immensely charming. There's some actually pretty solid kaiju action too. Kumonga and Kamakuras, the uh, giant spider at the end and the uh, mantis you see throughout the film respectively, are are genuinely terrifying insect giant monsters that I love. And the finale of Godzilla and Minya walking off into the snow together to hibernate is, is genuinely beautiful and the kind of thing that strikes you. It is a dad's rock movie, absolutely,
0: (laughs) and I love it to death. Nice. All right. Joe, take it away. All
3: right, so I'm a basic bitch when it comes to kaiju movies, so for my answer, I got to go with the OG, baby. It's Gojira, or Godzilla, as we call it here in America.
5: Hell yeah! I do not want to disappoint our Japanese public.
3: Especially Godzilla. That original Godzilla or Gojira. It it is a really friggin' good movie. It's a very terrifying movie when you consider the cultural and historical context Mm -hmm. behind it. It's just a very, like, impressively made movie for that era. That whole franchise is dedicated to that one movie being so successful, even though it strayed so fucking far from its horror roots. I do have two honorable mentions that that didn't quite make the cut because their kaiju scenes only last, maybe like the finale of their movies.
0: We've got a freaking kaiju up in this shit.
3: But my two honorable mentions go to uh, Frankenweenie for having a giant turtle at the end, basically looking like Gamera. And uh, the Powerpuff Girls movie, the show has dabbled in kaiju and it does Mm -hmm. have a giant Mojo Jojo kaiju at the end of that movie. So, you know, it kind of sort of counts.
0: Hell yeah! Interestingly, you brought up the historical context of Godzilla. There's been a lot of talk recently about films to pair with Oppenheimer, and like a lot of people going <laughs> for three of the Fireflies* or *Barefoot Gen*. I genuinely think that like Godzilla would be a good follow-up, and Oppenheimer would make it that much more horrifying. Yes. Moving on, PMC, give us some kaiju flicks.
5: So I, I'm gonna have two answers for you. One of them I think is gonna be very, maybe boring. Would which is of the kaiju films I've seen in their entirety, my favorite's probably going to be Shin Godzilla. That was a movie I had the fortune to watch at Stephen Hero's <laughs> bachelor party, and then everyone else fell asleep. They were all younger than me, but I love that movie. That movie is riveting, incredible soundtrack. Uh, I love people in rooms talking, and of course that, you know, that movie is full of that.
2: Japan has grown up enough to have international trade deals on the sly.
3: We got good results on a coagulant, but formulating it is one thing.
0: Well, this certainly explains why the U.S. Department of Energy moved so quickly.
3: And to be accurate, Article 76 stipulates buy an aggressor country or equivalent force, not some monster.
5: Outstanding. Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to a PlayStation 1 game, Gamera 2000, which uh, if you're not familiar with, has a ton of really good, good live action cutscenes, great monster design uh, if you just want to see a bunch of cool monsters and also your friend Gamera watch a playthrough of Gamera 2000
0: hell yeah you uh stole my answer all right <laughs> Cody favorite kaiju movie <laughs>
4: My answer is also going to be pretty basic because it's it's this movie, it's Pacific Rim. This movie is what introduced me to kaiju movies. I didn't know the term before then. I just called all of them monster movies. I didn't really realize it was its own genre. And I discovered that I really like them through this movie. And even though I do really like them, I still haven't actually seen that many of them in their entirety. I'm working my way up, though, doing the Pacific Rim thing right now. Yeah. If you get what I mean? So safest answer is this movie It's Pacific Rim
0: Fair enough We watch a lot of kaiju stuff lately, but it's just like we have the Godzilla channel on Pluto TV just on a loop. So we're not like actually paying attention to the movies. They're just on the background. We're just seeing people in suits fighting. It's great. Austin, favorite kaiju movie? For
1: me, kaiju movies are sort of like giallo films or classic documentaries, as in there's a lot of important ones that I haven't seen yet. I grew up with a VHS copy of King Kong vs. Godzilla and the uh, shameful 1998 American Godzilla film, but my studies never extended far beyond these. Except for that time in 2008 when everybody was going nuts for the Cloverfield monster, but I I do still have a favorite, and it towers way above the others in terms of quality. I'd imagine this is sort of a generic answer, but I'd say Shin Godzilla was everything I ever wanted out of a Godzilla movie. I wrote this down beforehand. Watching mankind's favorite giant lizard go through disgusting puberty boyhood style was awesome and a kind of horrendous way. Then juxtaposing the freaky large-scale action with these scenes of political figures in boardrooms dicking around and not getting the problem solved was really funny. Not a very deep cut on my part, I'm not winning any points for creativity here, especially now, but at least I didn't say Ghostbusters. Back to you, Tim.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah, Uh, good picks all around. I do want to bring up some honorable mentions. Um, I have to mention End of Evangelion, but I enjoyed that more as a weird, experimental existential movie than as a kaiju movie. Jinji, pilot this robot. No, fuck. Well, there goes that plan. I also want to shout out Big Man Japan just because I fucking (laughs) love Big Man Japan. It's like half mockumentary, half like actual kaiju movie. And then at the end, it just becomes a token. Thing where a dude in a suit is just whooping the bad guy's ass. It's hilarious. But yeah, we're, I'm just gonna uh, hammer it on the head. Three out of six, Shin Godzilla, let's go. Yeah! <laughs> Shin Godzilla is just so good. It's easily the best Godzilla movie to come after the original. Like, it's one of the few Godzilla movies that I think really gets the human stuff right. That's, I think, always lacking, and, you know, you're just waiting for the monster stuff. But I think it's very interesting in this movie. And then when you get to the monster stuff, it's absolutely horrifying, which is, again... Something that's rare, a lot of the fights in Godzilla movies tend to be campy and silly, which I love it. But Shin Godzilla just brought it to a whole new level, and you've got the Evangelion score in there too, which we've got got to shout that out too. But enough of that, enough of Shin Godzilla, we're talking about Pacific Rim today, so let's get into our thoughts on Pacific Rim. We're starting with Cody.
4: I don't know if I can have any like super objective thoughts about this movie, because I watched it at a time when I was going through some really severe like burnout and anxiety and depression so and that this movie was kind of like my lifeline for a while it was what was keeping me going I can't really criticize it too much even though there are like valid criticisms of this movie I love everything about it the art style all of Guillermo del Toro's signature pieces I love all the actors in this movie I love the soundtrack and if you let me talk about this for too long I'm gonna start like info dumping about all the lore that's not in the movie, so uh, you might want to pick somebody else.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go to Ethan. Thoughts on Pacific Rim?
2: When I first saw the promotional material for this film, my thoughts were, ah, yes, that's Gaquin. I love gaquin uh, Gaquin is dumb, and uh, I love it. And I, I vaguely had the idea, oh yeah, Guillermo del Toro saw that. El Super Magnetrod was the dubbed version of Gaquin, and it showed in Latin America. I apparently didn't make its way to Mexico until, like, 2014, 2015. He might have seen it through, like, VHS tapes, but his ass was probably not watching Gakin, so I feel like a fool. But it still kind of reminds me of Gaquin. specifically because the two robot pilots. That's a thing that's happened in like a handful of anime and mm-hmm. different productions. Gakine is the one that jumps out most prominently. That's where the name Xerxes Tire Iron Dada comes from. The The crummy English dub of that show is Magnus the Robot.
3: We call them the Peleagoths. What in the world are they? The first one is they're not from this world. I believe the
2: aliens led by the ancient and evil Xerxes Tyre. But the other ones are a, uh, another Gonagai work, Groizer X, Gonagai, heavily influencing this film through his signature creation, Mazinger Z, and uh, Dinosaur War, Eisenborg, which is a, a very bad thing, uh, like tokusatsu, <laughs> but with animated characters, but the monster fights are with suited characters. It's, it's very bad. But that's the thing is most of those shows, those works with like two robot pilots are bad. Uh, so, man, it's really nice having a work with two robot pilots where it's good. Hey, what do you know? You can make a good one of those.
0: Now we have a choice here. We
3: either sit and wait or we take these flare guns and do something really stupid.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a film that kind of wears its inspirations on its sleeve. I think it has mm-hmm. a lot of effective action throughout. Um, it's still, you know, sort of working in a 2013 visual effects space, and there is a sense that they're a bit self-conscious of it, so that they're trying to obscure things a bit with particle effects and shooting at night. But also, I like when things are shot at night, kind of. That can be okay. effective in its own right. And I think that's sort of mitigated by, like, the floodlights on the mechs themselves and the bioluminescence mm-hmm. of the kaiju. I think that helps you get a more distinct sense of their silhouette than something like the Transformers films, certainly. Uh, another big thing is... On the commentary for this film, Guillermo del Toro mentions that the animators didn't use motion capture at all. It was all hand animated, and uh, you would get a really good sense of that. It, it does feel like real classic stop-motion animation uh, during several sequences. I have a particular film in mind <laughs> that I want to compare this to that I'll probably mention in more in general discussion, but it kind of reminds me of that that film. And overall, I think it's uh, just a generally effective mecha romp. It captures mm-hmm. a lot of the things that you'd want from something like that. Uh, the action is good. The designs are all fairly distinct, and it, it tells a pretty tough Tight sort of story all things considered I think it really was like Guillermo del Toro approached this with I want to make a really good blockbuster I don't really want to go anything beyond that I want to <laughs> make a really good blockbuster that like if I saw this film when I was you know 10 or 12 going to the theater I would be hooting and or hollering the entire time um, and mm. for that I think he absolutely succeeded
0: Hell yeah. I'm glad you brought up the anime influence. I know he has explicitly stated Pat Labor was an influence on the film, which sounds a little odd, but like, I kind of get it. Like it does sort of have the structure of a cop movie. Like it's, it's a guy whose partner died and now he has to get a new partner. It's the story you've seen before, but now it's got giant robots. I can't have anyone else in my head again.
4: Haven't you heard, Mr. Beckett? The world is coming to
0: an end. So where would you rather die? Here or in a Jaeger? Austin, thoughts on Pacific Rim? You know, I was
1: actually really disappointed in this movie when it came out. I grew up loving G Gundam, so before this release I was actually very excited that like a mecha movie was getting the big Hollywood treatment. Sometimes though, young Austin was wrong about movies. Like for example, I used to hate Eraserhead. So I figured now that I'm 10 years older and know a lot more about film stuff, that maybe Pacific Rim would be better on a rewatch so here's my take there's two sides of pacific rim there's pacific rim is a visual experience and pacific rim is an adventure movie with science fiction elements as a visual experience Pacific Rim is extremely generous and even to this day sort of a novelty. Even now, there is no Hollywood movie that has done giant fighting robots on this scale with this level of realism and almost every Mm -hmm. inch of this film is packed with elements custom designed for the film. Home Media presents this film at 1.78 by 1, which means your whole fucking widescreen TV transforms into a window full of a million little doodads and tiny panels with shit written on them. God, I wish this film didn't have a 2K digital intermediate. I understand they barely got these insane VFX shots rendered in 2K, but man we live in a cruel world when the Will Smith movie Hancock is in native 4K and Pacific Rim cast out in 2K
0: balls jeez
1: but beyond the marvelous visuals like i said there's are rim as an adventure movie with science fiction elements or pacific rim as a screenplay being performed by actors this right here is the reason there aren't a bunch of like slow newsday articles about how pacific rim is actually an overlooked masterpiece i have micro scale complaints Charlie Hunnam couldn't sell inner turmoil if he worked for a weapons manufacturer. And uh, Rico Kikuchi needs to close her mouth before a bug lands in there on accident. I also have macro scale complaints, like that 40 minute chunk between Yancey's death and Ron Perlman's introduction dragging so hard, it reminded me of the pit sequence in The Dark Knight Rises. Mostly though, it's the two leads, their shoddy dialogue, their wooden performances, and the movie put a lot of its poker chips in, betting you'd like these two people, which creates kind of an uneven experience overall.
3: I don't think you're the right man for this
5: mission.
1: Aww. As a VFX enthusiast though, I still have to say Pacific Rim is one of a kind, wildly ambitious and has a whole bevy of neat like making up shit to be discussed. This was ILM after all, and co-creator of Photoshop, John motherfucking Knoll was involved. Hopefully I can drop some knowledge in general discussion. But to end my review, Pacific Rim is a rare, beautiful machine with a dazzling exterior. But sadly, its core processor was made by Hewlett-Packard.
0: Fair enough. I'm glad you at least came around to it as a visual experience. Yeah, that's undeniable. For sure. Uh, PMC, thoughts on Pacific Rim?
5: So... I, you know, I'm coming back to this film. I definitely enjoyed it the first time around. Coming back to it, you know, after spending a lot of time talking about robots in a critical analysis sort of situation, I was really taken with the way it deployed you know the drifting concept, both in terms of character development and, and in terms of the plot. You know, it's not only used to build bonds between various characters, father, son, you know, all the family dynamics, the budding romantic potential of our leads, whether or not we buy it. And, uh, you know, and then, then various other complications that arise from that. Also the way it's used to give us an insight into the aliens. I, I think it's very cute that it's it's done to do that as well. So there's like a, a plot exposition enabling element to it as well. So it's very, very efficient way. And I, I do think, you know, as, as Ethan kind of said earlier, it's finally somebody's really using this thing. It's really nice to see. I really appreciate that. And beyond that, it's just a candy store of references. Mm. One of the great things about classic great robots, you know, Giant Robo or, or Big O is that they always have another you know trick in their bag there's always an extra sword sometimes there's a boat mm. there's just always something really really fun to work with so I, I was just very taken with that on a rewatch and I and I love too that the final moment as wooden as the leads were I was very happy with the ending when they don't have to say anything to each other because they drifted they're already in each other's heads mm-hmm. which I felt was actually like the one time that sort of like pull back okay I'm ready for the credits now we can, we can just do that which I will mention that I was, I was watching with my partner and then she was really upset that they weren't talking to each other or responding on the radio and I was like no they're they're drifting they're drift compatible they did it they achieved it so pretty happy on a rewatch definitely definitely delighted to have revisited the film
0: nice Joe thoughts on Pacific Rim
3: my history with this goes back to when it came out and I was like this big Guillermo del Toro fan and I remember this movie being hyped to oblivion it was del Toro's first movie since Hellboy 2 it had been years since he had made like a movie he's back baby and he's this is gonna be the movie that gets him out of director jail (laughs) oh poor Guillermo (laughs) poor Guillermo got taken down by Adam Sandler I'm so sad I'm so fucked up This movie was also probably my first date with my first very serious partner. Uh, It it was a good date. It was a really good date. But my ex and I uh, don't really talk anymore. And it was kind of a messy breakup. But after that breakup, I'd always been afraid to revisit this movie. And I've revisited it a couple of times. And I still really, really enjoy it, thank God. (laughs) I think... What I really like about this movie in particular is the fact that it's Guillermo del Toro basically saying, okay, I've done all the artsy stuff, I did it in a superhero movie, it failed, I might as well just say, fuck it and make a big, fun, dumb action movie. And you Mm -hmm. know what? He knows how to fucking deliver. It just gives you what you need to know and then just throws you into it. I will agree that uh, it is a little rough watching Charlie Hottam try to act his way through this movie it's not that good of a performance but i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt movies like this especially it it cannot be easy to act and deliver lines like he's given in this so i gotta give him at least brownie points for trying
1: marshall can we just talk about this for one second
3: one don't you ever touch me again
0: two don't you
3: ever touch me again Charlie Day stands the hell out. He's the most fun character in this, and I fucking hate what they did to him in the sequel. I hate that sequel so fucking much, but, you know, I love that character so much. I dressed up as him for Halloween, the year that this movie came out.
5: Rock and roll. Okay, guess who's back, you one-eyed bitch. You owe me a kaiju brain.
3: The visual effects of this movie, except for one little bit, and that's at the very beginning, the Golden Gate Bridge sequence, where it kind of looks like a PlayStation 2 game for a little bit. The rest of the movie really fucking looks spectacular. There is one scene I definitely want to discuss a little bit, but we'll save that for general discussion.
0: Movie, movie good. Uh, Back to you, Tim. Hell yeah it takes all around. To start my thoughts, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what Legendary Pictures kind of went on to do. So like the year after this came out, of course, was uh, the 2014 Godzilla movie, which sparked the MonsterVerse, which has thus far had four titles. There was also, of course, a sequel to this film that they made. I don't think any of those movies have the same spark that this one does. I think what uh, helps this one is that Yermel Del Toro didn't fucking direct those other ones he directed this one and uh, he he absolutely put his chops into it I always have a great time watching it he absolutely puts his heart and soul into like the designs like you've got great monster designs great mech designs I definitely want to agree with Joe on uh, Charlie Day is a standout in this movie Uh, So is Ron Perlman. Both of those characters are so good. Of course, Idris Elba, I think, is probably the biggest performance that, like, you glom onto through this movie. Every every time I see that, we're canceling the apocalypse speech. Like, it just gets me pumped. But yeah, a lot of good stuff to talk about. We'll get a little more into it in general discussion. But first, we're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back.
2: And he's like... (laughs) I swear it was like the opening scene to the movie Pacific Rim.
0: And welcome back to our program. And now we're going to give you some sponsored content. You ever watch that movie Interstellar? You know that part where he goes to plaid? Would you like that on your wall? Well, we've got a website for you, moviepalette.com, a place where you can find small palettes of canvas that contain thin lines representing the dominant colors of each frame of a movie. I got one up there for the film Mandy. And you can get one probably for Pacific Rim, maybe even for Uprising if you want it, Uh, if you go to moviepalette.com. You can use the promo code SQUAD15 to get 15% off your order. Also, the entertainment industry is in shambles right now. SAG-AFTRA and the WGA are on strike to try and get good working conditions. So please, consider donating to one of these funds, the Entertainment Community Fund, the Snack List, or Groceries for writers. Today, we're canceling bad working conditions. And now, back to the show. Now we're gonna go into some general discussion.
2: Okay, so that movie I was alluding to earlier, uh, that's Robot Jox, Baby, uh, the Stuart Gordon-directed Joe Haldeman co-written classic. It's probably my favorite giant robot, like live-action Hollywood film, which is, again, a lot of caveats. I like Pacific Rim a lot, but Robot Jox has uh, stop-motion uh, robots staged in an open-plane full lighting, (laughs) nothing to obstruct my view of their beautiful bodies as they engage (laughs) in gladiatorial combat. The stop motion is really good. Uh, That's honestly the thing that really cemented just how pretty uh, Pacific Rim often is, particularly that way of um, kind of, it's a a normal way of moving but when you kind of curve your arm inwards when you walk forward and the way that weight is conveyed, Robot Jocks does that a lot and that's uh, reflected in Pacific Rim quite a bit. The sense of weight is uh, very much in Pacific Rim. Um, Also, the interface, the uh, way people like walk with the bits kind of attached to them is very very reminiscent of the uh, way it's done in Robot Jocks which is pretty much identical aside from you know the two people being in the cockpit bit Robot Jocks also has a bit where they briefly go into space only that's an aerial dogfight with robots because Robot Jocks has everything uh, they have transformations from bipedal mechs to tank mechs to quadruped mechs a genuinely quite good if a bit silly love story <laughs> a crit- of capitalism crashing and or burning uh robot jocks whips um and uh is i think even more than like the anime inspiration or like ultraman the thing that i see like the most dna in uh, pacific rim in a lot of ways at least the robot stuff
0: so I know there's been, like, a bunch of different pieces of media that came after Pacific Rim. Like, there was the sequel, obviously. There was, like, a comic tie-in. There's also an anime on Netflix, which uh, we watched the first episode of before this recording. It is serviceable. That's about all I can say for it. Like, it's it's fine, but, you know, why would I watch an okay Pacific Rim anime when I could watch any mech anime? <laughs>
1: Kind of like how The Walking Dead's quality was partially tied to Frank Darabont, and then when he left, it's just not the same. Like, it's hard to make Pacific Rim without Del Toro.
4: Uh, I have, like, two very small things. Building off of something that Joe mentioned earlier about how this was, like, the first movie Del Toro had directed in about five years, I was reading some interviews to prep for this, and Del Toro mentioned that he very specifically made... The time between when Raleigh like last piloted a Jaeger and when he was finally getting back into it a five-year gap because he kind of related to the whole like getting back into the saddle type feeling mm-hmm. and kind of like not being prepared and like being worried that he wasn't going to be able to do this again which I thought was interesting and I had never made that connection and also Tanner is not here for this, (laughs) and this is a very Dad's Rock movie, so I have to do it for him. Dad's Rock, baby! Yes! (laughs)
0: Yeah, this movie takes place in the distant year of 2025. Can <laughs> to get my Jaeger.
3: Because I remember the opening, like, Jaeger fight takes place in 2020. Remember when we were fighting a pandemic and kaiju, guys?
2: <laughs> no, 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 what happened was the aliens saw the film, they realized well, clearly this isn't going to work out. So instead...
1: <laughs> the Charlie Alien ran in and said, the plane's not going to work! And they launched the virus instead.
2: <laughs> the Charlie Dalian.
1: <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> in preparing for this, I read a magazine issue Ethan gave me. Cineflex issue 135. Uh, there's a write-up in it by this guy named Joe Fordham, and, and it, it explains a bunch of neat VFX stuff. Did you guys know, if you want to blow up a building that's real, like, like if there's a real-life building, you want to put, you know, reconstruct it in CG, in your movie and you want to destroy it you actually have to call the person who owns the building and ask for permission because apparently Mm -hmm. they called a bunch of people in Hong Kong because there's a lot of famous buildings in the Hong Kong skyline and they were like hey can we destroy these buildings with a kaiju battle and the majority of them were like no i did not know you needed permission to do that i thought this
0: was america <laughs> you can't just blow up your building what <laughs> come on
1: it's not even your building uh, it's a model of the building
0: uh, I, I rewatched some uh, interviews that del toro did uh as, like, a promotional thing for Toonami the week that uh, the movie came out, Uh, and, like, he was talking about the practical stuff that they designed, and, like, a lot of this movie is practical, which I think is another thing that makes it work really well. Like, seeing them in the model Jaeger head is just so cool.
1: Those sets were four stories tall, by the way.
0: Yeah, like all, all of the like real shit they were able to just destroy is so cool. Like, in that interview, he just kind of chuckles and goes. <laughs> I'm a simple creature. He's just so happy doing this.
3: Alright, so the scene I mentioned in my uh, overall thoughts, uh, I want to bring it up, because this scene specifically hits home for me personally as someone with PTSD. Can we talk about that first drift, the uh, the PTSD flashback? Yeah, yeah, uh, that scene is really fucking terrifying to me now but remove Mm -hmm. it from context it might be one of the scariest things Del Toro has ever put to film. The little girl running from the giant fucking monster.
1: I liked that they rigged everything on that set up to hydraulics so the little girl performer could see all the like fucking shit bouncing around like the kaiju's footsteps were there in real life. Uh, Even though you know the Mm -hmm. kaiju was CGI. It's just funny the idea of putting a little girl in an alley with a bunch of shit rigged to fucking bounce around on hydraulics occasionally.
3: Now I think I understand why she's scared because she's actually probably fucking terrified. (laughs) I'd be scared shitless too. And I'm just like, man, this little girl is just giving it her all. Like, this is a really good actress. No, she's probably genuinely fucking terrified on the actual
2: set. Mm -hmm. I mean, in fairness, I would also be terrified if Charlie Hunnam was invading my memories.
5: (laughs) Yeah, it's not the monster, it's Charlie.
3: It's a son of anarchy. <laughs> Quick, hide. Uh, this
1: was already mentioned by the Corridor crew in their, like, third episode of VFX Artists React, uh, but that shot where the Jaeger fist, like, bumps into the Newton's cradle was a cut to a one-fourth-scale miniature office. But what they didn't mention was the actual desk with the cradle on it was an actual size desk shot shot on a motion control rig stitched into the finished composite. Ha! I did the thing where I added one more detail. Take that, successful YouTuber there's,
2: I I do want to mention uh, one more Robot Jocks connection leading into uh, an actual discussion of the film itself. But uh, the um, chainsaw, the chainsaws that are used on the Chinese Jaeger might also be a callback to Robot Jocks, uh, which famously features Chainsaw Penis, the chainsaw cock on the Russian (laughs) robot uh, that uh, he uses to chainsaw jam into uh, his enemy's uh, cockpit in, in one of the most sterling depictions of Freudian imagery set to film for a robot. <laughs> Chainsaw Penis versus Tetsuo the Iron Man. Who wins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, another thing to mention about this film is there's there's a lot of violence in it, like fairly explicit violence, and it, it's mm-hmm. a real testament to how much you can get away by making the blood not red. Um, because right. at the end, you see that the kaiju literally uh, cut in shway and, like bisected down the middle. Like there's a there's a lot of that, a lot of goopiness, um, and yeah. even a lot of red blood, just kind of like usually trickling from people's noses. The, the amount of mental damage. Done to people in this film is kind of concerning if you're somebody who has like a phobia of freons.
1: Yeah, it's always crazy when like a PG 13 movie gets away with bisecting somebody in half down the middle, like UHF, the Weird Al movie. <laughs> uh, I lead a battle angel, I think. Uh, it's just crazy because that's a thing you would expect to see in 13 Ghosts not Pacific Rim.
0: Yeah, you also got the Samurai Jack scene where he just cuts a robot and it spills oil all over his face. It doesn't matter if it's not red blood. Yeah,
2: that's actually really worth mentioning is the Mechagoran here is sterling. And that is, I think, very much harkening back to uh, Mozinger, particularly Mazinger Z versus the General of Darkness, the sort of feature film and that kind of represents the finale of Mozinger Because Mozinger gets torn to pieces in that. And in the ending of Mazinger Z, the television series, he also gets wrecked to sort of uh, prepare for the introduction of Great Mazinger, but there's a lot of really great Mechagore at the the end of that, and I feel like that's uh, definitely something Del Toro is pulling on here.
3: Why wasn't this one of those movies that had a successful toy line after the movie came out? Because it feels like this movie was designed, one, to be a very fun and entertaining, like, good movie, but also to sell fucking toys. They look like (laughs) toys!
0: (laughs) Where's my (laughs) 2500-piece Jaeger Lego set?
3: It's a movie where Del Toro literally gets to play with fucking Toys, but my second thing is it, it's a bit more of a joke. I, I think Del Toro really understands American culture because it's very funny that uh, in a movie set in the 2020s, the American government is like very much pushing to build a wall to stop the uh, yeah. horses that they don't
0: I, like. I that.
2: <laughs> like it, it's something that seemed like on the nose, you know, like post Bush administration. Even and then you know in 2016, it's like holy shit, that's just literally what the yeah. what was the market strategy for an entire presidency.
5: We're going to build
0: a wall and we're going to make the kaijus pay for it.
5: It was definitely very affecting to hear Riley talking about how you would want to fight a hurricane while piloting a Jaeger when, in fact, climate change has gone so far that a hurricane is, in fact, <laughs> impacting the Pacific coast. Time has made Pacific Rim sadder.
1: There's no way to get more sad than Ron Perlman losing his shoe. You can't top it. Uh, the visual look of this movie was partially inspired by the painting Wanderer Above Sea Fog by Casper mm-hmm. David Frederick. Anyway, I'm gonna travel back in time and destroy that painting in the hopes there's an alternate timeline created where this movie isn't constantly drenched in water.
0: Pacific Rim 2 The Dry Cut Yes
2: g- Give me the dry cut <laughs> There is a weird thing Where Del Toro is clearly Very proud of that Throughout the commentary uh, Commenting On this film That is interesting As an odd thing I think it's it's Very clearly Speaking to uh, Later works From him uh, Kind of evoking And he does explicitly Call out The creature from The Black Lagoon The gill man concept And you know Shifting between Aquatic shots And the uh, above Water line shots I don't think It works as well here But I, I can understand and respect uh, that enthusiasm for it. That oh, that almost makes it more palatable, uh, at least just a little bit.
5: One comment I wanted to make, just because I have Gunbuster on my brain, I found myself comparing Stacker Pentecost to Coach Oda throughout the film. And of course, it turns out they both have radiation sickness. So that was sort of like, ah, I, I predicted this correctly. But I mean, otherwise than that, you know, they're obviously characters who are trying to save the world, but and also avoid talking about their personal trauma. Yeah,
2: exactly. At least Stacker Pentecost isn't very any
0: 17-year-old
5: yes. oh. because thankfully does not lay hands on anyone in a way that none of us need in our lives. Sonic
0: says, Jesus don't do that. Christ. That's no good. All right, uh, let's get right into it. The return of Tim's Trivia Time. Approximately 100 Kaijus and 100 jagers were designed. The filmmakers voted on their favorite designs each week to determine which ones would make the film. Del Toro cast Charlie Day as Newt, based on his performance in the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode, Charlie Kelly, King of the Rats where he delivers a monologue lamenting his job of killing rats at the bar.
5: This set that we're in is the budget of season one, two, and three of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Just this set.
0: In an early draft, Raleigh and Mako spoke almost exclusively in different languages until drifting, at which point they begin to understand each other. The designs of the kaijus were made with the notion that they could be worn as suits, like in classic kaiju and tokusatsu media. Ron Perlman kept Hamble Chow's shoes, which his wife later melted down and converted to a pair of heels for herself. Selfish.
5: Power move. (laughs) Wow, war never changes.
0: And finally, I have to save uh, the cutest one for last. Mana Ashida, the actress who played Mako as a child, had trouble pronouncing Guillermo del Toro's name, so he let her call him Totoro-san. And with that, we're going to go into final thoughts. We'll start with Austin.
1: Even though fundamental aspects of this movie are kind of underwhelming for me, uh, like its lead performances and parts of its screenplay, it's been 10 years and it doesn't look like we're getting more movies with robots the size of skyscrapers fighting giant monsters and now with the chinese market sort of closing its doors to a lot of american films this seems like a miracle that might not ever be repeated pacific rim may go down in history as the biggest wettest robot film to ever come out of hollywood (laughs) a rare breed gone before its time the colossal dream of an absolute madman never to
0: be reproduced
5: PMC, final thoughts this is one of those films that is such a loving homage to a variety of things that I imagine you could regularly revisit it and notice new things, make connections like the one I had just mentioned. Uh, and it sort of is a gift that will keep on giving, even if some things are kind of silly. Every car in this film looks bad. That's okay, though. Cars are bad. I don't mind that. You can overlook minor things like that, and you can still see uh, you know all the love that went into it and really get something new coming back to it every so often.
2: Ethan, final thoughts. Yeah, I think this is a pretty exceptional entry in the world of robot media, and it really is just an incredible feat that uh, Del Toro was able to make it. Period. Apparently, under budget and in what the tightest schedule, tightest shooting schedule of his career. I think it has its issues. I think the characterization and there's there's some odd things uh, in here. But just as a work of you know spectacular candy-colored mecha action, and as a clear love letter to you know, classic kaiju cinema, robot animation, effects film of Ray Harryhausen, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just such a such a marvelous sort of treat and endlessly watchable, I would say. Good movie. Watch it. Watch robot jocks, but also watch Pacific Rim. All right, Cody
0: final thoughts.
4: Uh, I really like what you said, Ethan. Uh, endlessly watchable. I agree. Whatever criticisms you may have at this movie, at the end of the day, it is kaiju and smashy smashy giant robots. And you really cannot go wrong with that formula. It would be good.
0: The tale is always thought. All right, Joe, final thoughts.
3: You know, I will always champion award winning art directors to cash in and just make dumb fun action movies that they've always wanted to make. I hope they're a little less like tenant though. And I hope they're a hell of a lot more like Pacific Rim because Pacific Rim is an absolute fun time from beginning to end. And it just gives you exactly what you hope for a movie like that.
0: Hell yeah. My final thoughts. This is a great time. Um, Glad we were able to talk about it. I always enjoy revisiting Pacific Rim. It's just such a fun exercise in giant robots versus big monsters. I think it does it better than a lot of the movies that have come out since. If you haven't seen it, go check it out, uh, give it a watch. I'm sure you'll have a good time with it. But you know who else is a good time? Oh.
5: Yeah
0: the person watching slash listening to us on Bomb Squad Movie Night. If you are listening on any of the audio platforms, please give us a review or a thumbs up, uh, just some kind of interaction. And if you're watching this video on Spotify Video, we hope you enjoyed all of our fucking curse words. (laughs) Uncensored. How about you go down to our Patreon and uh, send a few bucks our way so that we can uh, make more cool content for you. If you're watching this on YouTube, please go watch the Bo's Afraid episode. That shit got kneecapped the day after it came out and it did not get proper views. And it's a good episode. Austin worked hard on it. But before you go watch the is Afraid episode, comment below and let us know. What's your favorite kaiju movie? What did you think of Pacific Rim? What did you think of the things that came after Pacific Rim? (laughs) Have you ordered the Pacific Rim at Mellow Mushroom? You should. She got it one time. I had a little bit. It was good. It's very good. Uh, Comment below and let us know this important information. While you're down there, hit the like button. If you like the video, hit the subscribe button. If you want to see more, hit the bell icon to get updates on when we upload stuff. I want to thank my guests for coming on the show today. Uh, Cody, of course, thank you for coming once again. Uh, Would you like to plug your YouTube channel?
4: sure um i have a k-pop reaction youtube channel that i took a temporary about longer than planned break from uh new content will be coming soon
0: hell yeah pmc thank you for coming on the show uh would you like to plug your stuff
5: yeah sure so you can find me doing two main things one is twitch streaming twitch.tv slash pmc trilogy i generally play mech games and other weird things like the canceled soldier game for the 1998 kurt russell movie among <laughs> others so if you enjoy that kind content if you enjoy speedrunning, check that out i also help co-host giant robot fm a podcast that i run with my buddy steven hero where we talk longer than we should about mecha anime and other adjacent media Uh, you can find that at giant robot fm pretty much on any podcast platform you can pretty much find me at pmt trilogy on youtube twitter as long as it exists and then giant robot fm also on twitter as long as it exists
0: Yeah, thanks again, both of you, for coming on. Uh, Tune in next week when we talk about some turtles. Talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, hosted by Tanner. It's going to be a fun time. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, you dig giant robots. I dig giant robots. We dig giant robots. Chicks dig giant robots. Farewell.
2: Nice. Nice.